Welcome to Place by Design. You're listening to a podcast dedicated to the exploration of places in which we live, why they matter, and how we plan them. This is recorded live in Southwest Michigan, and I'm your host, Garth Woodruff. This week, we hear from Lowell Smith of Dunes Development. Lowell. Hey, man. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm doing great. Crazy times, right? Yeah. I, I tell you what, uh, all things considered, I'm doing great, too. You, you know, like, like the sun's out, you know, we're, we're, we're moving through this. We open up tomorrow, but this has been unbelievable. I, I mean, know. it was shocking, like, when, when Michigan State closed, you, you know, uh, two, two months ago or ten weeks ago or whatever it was, right. just as the dominoes have been falling, you're just like, wow. <laughs> I know. I know it's it's been absolutely surreal, but you're right. Generally speaking, I feel super lucky compared to probably a lot of people out there. Yep. 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 Super yep. lucky. No, for sure. Um, and uh, you you commented, you, you know, happy to have property and, and projects to 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 get through and, and and keep your mind sane. And I feel the exact same way. Like yeah. that's been such a relief. Like to be able to go outside and do and do like yard work, which I happen to love to do. So like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, we had like we we actually had weekends for the first time in our life, and I was able yep. to like, do like build some things out in my shop and clean my yeah. shop. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I remember we talked um, a little bit before, probably closer to uh, early like January, and I was like, "Hey, I got this project. Are you interested in looking at it?" And you're like, "Dude, I'm swamped." And so, like, really, that, that's about how we were, right? So, like, all of a sudden, we get a month off. And it was like, it was like, we can finally catch up on some of the things that have been hanging over our head forever. And so for, for the, for the people who are like, I'm bored, I don't know what to do. I can't even relate to that, bro. Yep. I'm not even yep. there. I'm not. Yeah. Yep. What a trip. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same way. And, and, uh, and I'm, I'm thrilled to go back to work tomorrow. I'm thrilled to see our guys and, yeah. and, and get energy, but, uh, uh, I, I've certainly been able to, to use the time to, to, uh, do things that I wouldn't ordinarily do. And that's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we were just getting to the point where we were getting a little bit antsy and Lonnie went back to work last week. That's when they opened things up for outside yep. stuff. Yeah. And, um, her attitude changed almost immediately just because it's like it does get to a point where it's like you know you want to be productive you want to see some people you want to make yeah. progress we work so many hours on our projects behind the scenes and it gets to a point where you're like yeah but i want to see the real thing happen you know um mm -hmm. so it felt it felt good last week getting back and i'm glad i'm glad you guys are able to go back tomorrow Ho hopefully yeah. in a safe manner although you don't have a lot of guys in your uh houses at once i mean if i remember right there's only been like a couple three or four guys in there at a time at the most and they're decent sized homes right yeah you, right it, so so uh when i bring back the outdoor crew we'll have we'll have uh so i have more framers than i do finished carpenters i have six i have six framers and two finished carpenters and those those six framers are often together. They might be four and two. They might be all six. Okay. Um, so when they're when they're there, they're, they're the guys that come back and work on the siding at Obalway. Then then there's more energy. Gotcha. Then there's there's more there's more folks. But yeah, uh, yeah that's it. The, it, it. While while you've been there, I think it's largely just been two guys on the inside, which is my finished my finished carpenters. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 
So let's 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 start this out with you giving a little bit of a backdrop of Dune's development. Just real short, brief history of where things started because it's it's got a little bit of a history. I mean, it's not sure, right? Sure. You want me to start with the beginning of Dune's and and, yeah. and how? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so so Dune's is about thirty years old. It was okay. started by Greg Kaiser, and right. and Greg Kaiser's my my former my former business partner. Uh, I I knew Greg. Um, uh, for for quite some time through a local country club here, Chickman Country Club, where where I've been a member largely my whole life, and 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 he's been a member, and and uh, we knew each other through through golfing. So as as Dune's development grew in in the early 2000s, Greg recognized a, a desire to um, uh, add more competencies to the office, to to contracts, to purchasing, to client communications, to other things that the the field delivery was superior to the the communications and sort of the wrapper around the home as it relates to uh, keeping momentum and, and just good good energy uh, uh, with with either vendors, suppliers, but most importantly, customers. Okay. That's where I came in. So in 2007, I left my career, which was which was consulting, uh, IT strategy consulting, and and came here uh, to to work with Dunes Development. And it was a leap of faith, but I was in a point in time where I wanted a change of scenery. I wanted less air time, uh, air travel, and and uh, wanted to be home more than away. We'd had our first daughter in Chicago, and uh, uh, it just made sense. So so we put something together that. Uh, that, that lives on uh, today. And, and so we've always been in the custom home business. Okay. Um, we average three to four homes a year. And, and when I say three to four homes, that's probably sort of our ordinary volume, but that could be, that could be two homes and, and maybe uh, some remodels and, and additions or whatever it might be. Uh, uh, when we exceed our, our, our capacities of, of eight men, you know, sometimes I'll have up to 10 men. Uh, then I subcontract out carpentry too. So, so all the, the expertise that I employ is carpenters. So, so finished carpenters and framers, everything else is subcontracted. So when we're, when we're building the home, I subcontract out the excavating, the foundation, uh, then the carpentry men get insight and then we subcontract out, you know, the mechanicals and, and all that stuff. Gotcha. Um, so that's that's really where we are today. Greg passed in in uh, September of 2019. So so our partnership at that at that point came to a, a dramatic conclusion. But but um, uh, we essentially ran the business from 2007 on as as partners, and um, uh, uh, we both learned from one another with different skills and different right. backgrounds and and whatnot. And and yeah, that's sort of that's that's the long story. Yeah, that's a, but I mean, for 30 years, that's, that's, that's actually quite a bit of activity in 30 years. I mean, that's a lot of yep. going on. I mean, just the last nine months for you, I, I said this to you a couple of days ago that it's like, I just think, man, you got to be drinking through a fire hose. It's like, yep. you know, just every, not just world things, but personal things. So, yep. Yep. so I've got, I've done a little bit of work at the university in communications, not like communication, mm -hmm. like radio stuff, but like more like nerdy academic stuff. So I kind of like, I'm kind of nerdy about communication. So when you say you came in and you brought communications to, uh, to help out in, in terms of kind of like wrapping the client in, right. what did that, what did that look like? What, what did you, what did you What did that mean? So, so it was really taking a technological leap forward. And um, so 
in 2007, a lot of communication would come from architects into the office in the form of memos, right? It would be it would be a memo, an email with an attachment, or even a fax. You know, a fax was very common. Right. And that memo would be what would be taken out into the field and shared with the foreman, and it would turn into uh, a collaborative work effort. So from from either the owner or the architect comes this message, and uh, and then it gets delivered in that manner, and it goes out into the field, and and that's sort of the end of it. They might get a phone call back from Greg, you know, saying, "Hey, look, thanks, we got the window colored, it's ordered, it's done, and in fact, we've got some installed." And and the communication leap that I took forward was was getting more electronic with with upping our game in email from from just being a simple web-based client to moving our platform to Google, right? So so uh, moving our platform to Google uh, opened up all the Google apps, the, the calendars, the, 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 the storage, um, all these things. So, so the ability to share large volumes of photographs went through the roof. Like you weren't just taking a photo and having a difficulty sharing it. I could dump photos into directories um, for clients and give them access to these entire directories. So I could, I could go through the course of a site visit and snap 20 photos and put it into a folder and share these, these things with, with clients, right? And, and that then ultimately evolved into, uh, in the last five years, moving into construction management software, where, where beyond Google, I actually offer construction management software for our clients to come into and look where they can see the schedules, they can see communications with subcontractors, the photos are there, I can designate fly- you know, folders for being accessible to clients or subs, and I can put all their estimates in there. And, and it's really our job site portal. Right. Um, so that's what I mean by communication, that we were, we were trying to uh, uh, take, take the client experience into something that they could see and feel while not being here, because our clients generally are not here. So, so they live and breathe the project with, with, in some cases, visiting the project a handful of times. And that's, that's amazing. I have some clients that might visit once a week and others that might visit, you know, three times during the course of construction because they, they hire an architect to do everything. Right. Right. Yeah. Like the, the, the project that we're working on a little bit right now together, the architect is the kingpin of this. Yes. Whole thing. Yeah. And Absolutely. Th- that's in fact, yeah, go ahead. yeah, with that, with that project, the architect, uh, he, he relays everything. So, so, and, and the client prefers him as, as a middleman that you, yeah. you learn each client's preference as you get going, but they have a long relationship with the architect and, and he serves as the conduit between handling, uh, uh, financials, handling, um, uh, issue resolution, whatever it might be. He's their, their, yeah. you know, trusted advisor. Do you do you almost always do projects with architects, or do you do people even buy designs like offline or out of a book anymore? I mean, yep. or are, are most of your clients architect uh, through architects or around architects? Or most are through architects, but but um, when the recession hit, so so the recession hit us later than others, and it only hit us later than others because of the long duration of a project. So oh, yeah. so as as the as the country was in the deeps of the recession, we still were riding the coattails of some long jobs. But as those ended, we were looking at our pipeline and it, and it was short. Yeah. So we got into some design. We got into some design build efforts where where I work with a local draftsman, and generally those start by picking uh, a book plan. Uh, a book plan, like we might help a client select their favorite 
their favorite plan from any number of websites, and then we say, hey, look, now we can have this drawn up and tweaked however you might like. So I've done I've done probably five to ten of those where it's a much more affordable price point for a client where mm-hmm. where we say, hey, look, we can we can take the design services instead of being ten to twenty percent the cost of the job, we can cap our design services at two to three thousand dollars. And right. and let me explain what you're getting. You're only going to get a floor plan and exterior elevations. But if you want to roll up your sleeves and, and do walkthroughs with me to handle like what this elevation will look like or that elevation, then we can do this. And and that's been successful for, for some clients, but it's a totally different model and it's definitely a lower price point than most of my jobs. But sometimes they're more fun too. Like like you really are in the weeds with the client. It can, it can get pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, right. You're, you're, you have a completely different um, part of the creative process when you're- Totally different, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, right. would, I would think that that would be like, you know, jobs under a certain price fit into that category. Jobs over a certain price almost are always architectural based. I mean, I, you I got would, it, Garth. That's exactly right. Like this might be, this might be. Hey, I've got a, I've got a piece of property that I've owned for a while. I've never known what I want to do with it, but, but maybe putting an affordable home there makes sense. So I start using it more, or whatever. That's how some of these start, and and uh, uh, they have no interest in in spending on architectural fees. And and quite frankly, they might not be looking for that sophistication at all. We want something comfortable and easy. Yes. Yes. So you just build a house for yourself, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. How did that, how did that go? Did you, did you, did you pick a, a plan from a book? Did you hire an architect? What, what did you, what did you end up doing for yourself? No, that's good. So, um, you know how the Herald Palladium publishes a home of the week, I think on Sundays, usually yeah. in the, I think each Sunday there's a, there's a home of the week back there. And years ago, uh, the home that I built was, was one of those, right? It was, it was home of the week. It was drawn by an architect out of uh, Grand Rapids, uh, Visbean. And I, I cut that, I cut that drawing out and I go, my God, I love this home, but, but I didn't have the property. So, so (laughs) had the home I wanted to build, I just didn't know where or when. And I kept that, I kept that floor plan and model in my folder for a couple of years. And then, uh, and then in 2017 found the property that I was interested in, bought the property and then uh, proceeded to call that architect and said, Hey, listen, I'd like to, to work with you. He resells those plans. Uh, and I go, I largely love the house as it's drawn, but there's two things I need help with. One is a site plan. I go, I go, I don't want to, I don't want to get in my own way as far as not being thoughtful with the site plan. So I want to, I want a site plan and position help with positioning the house. Cause I, I was establishing a prairie on the property, which I've been doing over the course of years. So I've seeded cool. about three acres now and uh, just really wanted to be thoughtful where I was going to place everything. Right. Sure, sure. So he helped with that. Uh, he helped with that design. And then we made a few tweaks to different rooms. Like we converted a screen porch into a four seasons room and put a mini split in there and, and used that room uh, all year and made the dining room a little bit bigger. And, and that's how we did it. So that was my way to, to, to basically get uh, sort of a custom home in a more affordable manner, if you if you will. Yeah, I mean, it's more than that. Cause it's like you basically spent a bunch of years watching different creative projects flow in front of you. And then you found the one that you got really excited about and you kind of lived mm-hmm. with it for a while. So that's, so this is the, this is the Ponderosa that you live in now. That's right. Yeah. It's the Ponderosa. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so because you just built a house, I suspect that you have come through that with completely new perspective on customer experiences and painful parts of the process. Oh, my um, God, Garth. Uh, yes. 
what, tell me what, like if, yeah. if you were the customer or what's the, what's the most painful part of the process from the customer perspective? So uh, there are, there are, I had to drink my own lemonade. Okay. And what I mean by that is so many times I tell my clients like, Hey, look, we're close to getting under roof. I know it's calling for a lot of rain the next two or three weeks. Don't worry about it. These materials are capable of withstanding that. I had to tell myself that too. And it starts driving you batty, right? Like your soap floor is getting wet for the upteenth time. I, the winds are blowing. I'm out in the cornfield and the winds are blowing so badly that on multiple occasions, we'd get the roof dried in only to see the you know, gale force winds rip off the, the dry and stuff. And, and, you'd, and I'd have to go through the fact like, these things are out of my control. Like, like I am, sure. I am battling mother nature here and I'm, I'm, I'm having to do the same process sometimes more than once. And I realized just how ordinary that was, right? Like, like I go through this on all my clients jobs. It just felt entirely different. Right. And so, so I had a contract with myself. I was paying whatever the cost of the house was. And so, so if my men have to go back and do more work, that's not free. They're going back and doing more work. Granted, granted it's, it's at cost as opposed to with a markup on it, it right. still was having an open checkbook, right? Like it was, it was feeling a little out of control. Like I, I never liked the feeling of being out over your skis too far, but building a home, you're, you're doing some of that. You're taking on these risks of, mm-hmm. of, Hey, I didn't thought I'd think I'd have any water issues. And then you realize I have to do this or, yeah. or I, I always, I always expected, um, uh, that, that, uh, uh, it would be sunny and perfect conditions throughout the course of the job, and that's not the way it goes. And you might lose weeks at a time just just you know dealing with site conditions. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think that I think you know knowing that the budget, while while I couldn't control the budget, I had a lot of influence on it was a tough one. And then I also had to recognize that that what I can control, I can control, and what I can't control, I just have to deal the best with. And I've told clients that a million times, right? But right. now it was me telling myself that it was harder. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, no kidding. And and we're and we're when we're building houses, we're not talking about like twenty thirty dollar budgets. I mean, like somebody comes back for an extra couple of days with the crew yep. to fix the roof from wind. That's thousands, you know. And it's like that is yep. to really panic behind. I mean, the, yep, yeah. But you know, circling back to communication though. And, and we've, you know, Lani and I ran a business in Northern Virginia that was kind of high in residential stuff. And we did that for almost 20 years. And really, we learned that the biggest thing was communication. That's one of the reasons it's our pet peeve, because it's like, if you're the client and you know that they're behind because it's raining today, because you're being kept in the loop or because, or there's going to be some overages and you're anticipating them because you've been kept in the loop on a day-to-day basis, it's way easier to swallow that pill, you know, than it is to all sure. of a sudden have a contractor roll in and be like, yeah, the last two weeks sucked. Write me a, an extra check and have it be like blindside. You know, it's uh, you can prepare yourself for it when, when the communication is clear. That's right. So, yep. so you and your family were tucked into this new home during a stay at home pandemic. I'm sure you probably went into your office every day or almost every day. I did. Yeah. yeah it's, yep. only, it's only, but it was just for an hour or two, you know, it was just enough to keep things moving, but, but it was a coveted hour or two. Yeah, right. No kidding. But it's like now, so like it was a new home. My guess, my guess is that after this pandemic, it's going to be home, right? Because like you yeah, got 
totally lived in it the last couple of months. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, so we got in, we, we got in middle of August last year and, uh, all, all that allowed for time as, as far as uh, ex outside work was, was I got some, some perennial uh, rye grass and some fescue grass seeded and mulch around the, the perimeter of the home. And, and then sort of the cold weather sat in. So, so now I've been rolling up my sleeves and doing lots of things around the house as it relates to just improving the, the, the yeah. landscape and, yeah, and, and, and making it better. But it, it, you know, every time you put a little sweat and another tear into the house, yeah, it's, it's more your own. It's it more it your baby and, yeah. and the memories. And uh, yeah, so it certainly, it, it certainly feels like our home fully That's, right now. Right, right. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I think that, I think even our family is going to walk away with that. We've been in our home a couple of years but I was like, you know, I've spent so much time there and I've, and then like for projects on the weekend, it's been there and I've enjoyed that. And I, and I know that when I come out the other side, it's, it's going to feel totally different to me. Yeah. So, so you're, you've got a, so the, the meadow is new to me and, but I right. did, I did pop on to your, to your website and, and stalk you guys a little bit just to make sure I yeah. have some background. And I did see that you had like, kind of like this uh, green process. And yep. so, so I'm curious what what do you see in trends from clients regarding green building? What are they actually asking for? Okay, every client of mine asks, generally speaking, we want to be as green as possible. And then where the rubber meets the road is, is are you willing to actually – uh, one, pay the premiums that may or may not be associated with that, and two, make sacrifices that I can tell you would make your home greener if you did them. For example, you you have this view of the lake and you love the lake, and so you want this wall of windows facing the lake. I go, there's nothing green about a wall of windows. <laughs> you know, I I hate to burst your bubble, but but that is that is like we're going to be running the HVAC more. You may have drafts, you know, whatever it might, whatever it might be. Um, I can build a wall at R20, or we can fill it with windows that are going to be best, like an R3. I go, so you, you get where I'm coming from. These are the yes. sacrifices, and so, so I find people. It's it's always a merger of of balancing, you know, why it is they love the property and what they're what 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 they want to. Uh, you know, enjoy from within the home uh, and, and then marrying that with their budget. So geothermal is a great way to heat and cool your home, mm -hmm. but, but are you willing to pay twice as much for it? And, right. and if you're not, then what, what's the next best solution? So those discussions come up frequently. And um, uh, I have some clients that, that go in deeply, but I, I can tell each client with, with great, with great confidence no matter what we do, this is going to be a high performing home, you know, so, so I'm going to tell you that just the fact that you're building a home in 2020, if you make no decisions about green sourcing, this will be a high performing home by the codes that have been, been, you know, passed over the last five to eight to 10 years. These are high performing homes right. and, and you can't change that. So we can take it to another degree. And, and uh, if you want to talk about net zero or getting to a passive home, I think most of the time you're going to find those sacrifices are more than you want to do. And that's been true with all my clients, even, even my wealthy clients like, Hey, look, we'll go down geothermal. Um, uh, but I'm not going to do triple pane windows, you know, like that's, that's sort of, it's to each yeah. his own. Yeah. 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 I got you. And it's, and, and really it's not just green, but it's sustainability. And when you're balancing sustainability, there's financial sustainability that you have to mix into that. 
you know, it's not just, you know, you can't be myopic and look at it through one thing. Although I did, Lonnie and I toured a house that was net zero out in California, outside of San Francisco at an association meeting a couple uh-huh. of weeks ago. And it was an amazing house, fantastic process to be introduced to. The architect and the landscape architect were both there on site answering questions. And I and it was not fiscally prudent. I can guarantee you that it might have yep. it might have been a net carbon net zero, but it was not fiscally prudent. But that right, but that wasn't their concern at all. Right, uh, right. And some of the decisions were a little bit weird. It's like you know they brought marble in from France because it actually used less carbon than um, hard. It was re it was reused marble versus harvesting, yeah. harvesting it locally. And they had a bunch of things that were kind of. Um, a little bit out of the box, I think, in terms of what I would have expected it to be in order to get it to be uh, net carbon zero. But um, I've not seen anything. And of course, that's in San Francisco. It was south of San Francisco where it was warm and dry. In, right. North, in Michigan here, man, I don't, especially if you're on the lake, how that would be almost impossible to really get something that was just the perfect. That's one of the sacrifices you'd have to make. If you right, really I'd agree with home, you wholeheartedly. Don't go building on a bluff overlooking right. northwest cold winds. Yeah, I mean yep. that would be one of those sacrifices. Right, right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So and like insulation, right? I can talk to you about how high performing foam insulation is, and it and it's wonderful, right? Like we can pack the wall with with spray foam, and that's going to be a high performing wall. But there's nothing green about that product, right? I mean, it's it, it, it's a petroleum based product all day long, and, right. and we can't change that. Right. I know exactly. It's uh, um, yeah, right. It's like if you really want it to be an earth cookie home, it's going to be a wigwam, and it's going to last about a year, and you're going to have to learn how to build it yourself again. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I don't think I think as as much as most of us want to be green, I don't know if I know I'm not ready to go there, and I'm, and I'm a pretty green guy, right? So I'm, yep. like, I'm with you, right? So it's it's like we we all have our limits. It, Garth, my solar array is drawn on my site plan, right? But it has yet to be implemented, right? Because it was cut <laughs> from the budget. <laughs> that's that's the way that went. I know those are pricey. I was before we moved into this house, I was like piddling around with drawing up my own house, and I was trying to make it super green, and I was gonna face it in the right direction and, and, and ensconce the northwestern side in kind of a berm and I was looking at solar and I, and I was balancing the cost and it is such a big step to move in that direction. Um, yep. But it's, but that's, I'm writing an article right now for a magazine about, about uh, mowing lawns and stuff like that. And it's, and it's like, that's, and I'm discussing this component of technology, how this dude in 1888 invented the lawnmower and, and now everybody has it and that kind of thing how technology changes you know we have a cell phone they have the capability for a cell phone but it's too big and it's too expensive and then wealthy people can afford it you know and it like it goes through this progress to a point where it's necessary for everybody to have it and it's like i think solar and some of those other beneficials um are not there yet, but they're they're working their way there yet, you know. And it's and in yep. a couple of years, the prices will go down, battery storage will increase, you know, the right. the cost of putting them up will decrease, and I'll bet you in you know ten to fifty years it, they'll be ubiquitous. You know, everybody's going to have solar panels. But right now, it's it's for the it's for the guy that really has you know an itch to try to do something right and has the money to um, cover. Right. And some of us have that itch, but you know, 
it's or quite... alternatively garth instead of all of us putting solar panels on our own properties we get these you know solar farms throughout our communities that are run by the utility companies like that that may be a better direction and by by me saying hey look i'm willing to pay a premium on my my aep power bill now to right. fund green electricity that may be a better future than putting solar panels on my own roof you know or whatever like yeah. like uh um, I, I've sort of, I'm, I'm holding out a little bit going, there may be a better way than all of us going independent and, and yeah. still being green and, and doing it on a better scale. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's like, you even look at that at the bigger scale and you think to yourself, there's a lot of states that, that don't have economy or water or are really sunny and dry that they could probably crank right. a whole lot of solar energy and ship it to the rest of the world. And maybe, maybe we'll find ourselves trading with Arizona water from the Great Lakes right. right. for, for power from their sunshine, you know? So, I mean, over time, right. you're right. There's, there'll be, there'll be collectives that I think make it a probably yep. more viable, stronger thing. Yeah. So, um, so with all of these social changes that we've had to deal with, um, how do you see it impacting your projects moving forward? And I don't mean like workflow, but do you see, I mean, like we just talk about energy for a minute, right? I mean, that's the type of thing that's going to probably shape our industry in the next 10 to 20 years in terms of technology and where it's coming from. What about like all this crazy social changes? I get a feeling that we could be stuck inside for a year or two, not uh -huh. exclusively, right? But like, but measured and balanced. I mean, yep. does that, how does that, how does it affect the home building? I mean, do you, do you think your customers are still going to be interested? Do you think that they're their desires are going to change. I mean, people really well, have to live at home now. I, I wonder if people were going to look at building a home differently. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to take the optimistic tone, which which I've actually had two conversations today on on just this on just this nature. Since our clients, uh, I may be different than than general home building, but our clients are primarily second homeowners, and right. so many of my clients are in Michigan now and they're ordinarily in Illinois and and they've been in Michigan for like eight weeks right and right. and uh, a, a large chunk of them I've heard from and have, have just said boy I'm so glad I built this house or I'm so glad I did it this way or I'm glad I did this there is a chance that that there'll be more of a desire for for folks to have that retreat from an urban area uh, there is a chance that that we could actually see um, uh, again, I'm being optimistic here, but but of my clients that are in town, they're here because they would prefer to be in a more rural setting than an urban setting. And and they, they, I could see the I could see this area being strong for second home builds because uh, because we 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 recognize that that uh, living in the circumstances that we live in now, and it's not a short term cycle. Uh, it's yeah. nice to have space. It's nice to be able to go outside. It's nice not to jump in an elevator to go get my my dog go to the bathroom. You know, right. you, I have clients that are on the thirty fifth story of a building, and and how inconvenient is that? Or or yeah. or even having to worry about who was in the elevator before you. So yeah. so optimistically, I think there could be more demand for the services I offer uh, relative to second homes as it relates to uh, first homeowners. Um, that market, yeah, yeah it, I could see it. I could see it. Um, I could see it slowing down until we understand what the new normal is, and there's stability in the markets, and and stability with with what does the future hold beyond six months. And without that stability, uh, generally primary homeowners don't want to make those decisions. Yeah, it's not a good time to be out there renting a moving truck and trying to get stuff. Right. Moving. 
Mm. But we've we've experienced the same thing. We've had clients, most of our clients that are Chicago clients are are holding up out here uh, in in the rural area in a kind of a yep. comfortable home with a little bit of space around them. And and I've even said it myself, the first couple of weeks, Lonnie, because our house is close to Surrette, you know, the, the nature center. Uh-huh. So we can walk to Surrette and we can go for walks. And it's like we're we're in isolation, but with miles and miles of space around us. And coming from mm-hmm. coming from the East Coast, I've generally been a Midwest hater because anybody from the West Coast or East Coast, it's it's in our DNA to hate anything from the Midwest. I don't know why, you know. And you're from Chicago, <laughs> right? and you're from Chicago, yeah. you know? and you're in Southwest Michigan, and you're like, man, it's so hard to find seafood, or it's you know all these little yeah. all these little first world problems. Yeah. Then we get hit with the pandemic, and I'm like, oh, this is friggin' brilliant. You know, I'm, I am set to go for a hike in Surrette every day and work for yep. my house. I got so much space. Um, and I think that those who have a second home who are coming out here are definitely feeling that exact same way where they're like, boy, this was, this was probably a good investment because right now our quality of life is, is so much higher than yep. if, if That's we're right. stuck inside. Uh, yeah, it's a, and ironically, you. My next question was what what you just said. What I was going to ask you: You build amazing places. Do you ever think about your clients' ability to live it, and then do they ever reach out to you? And it sounds like they are reaching out to you, and it is. It, it reached out. It. We joked. Uh, we meaning uh, myself, employees, and subcontractors that with all of our Illinois clients in town, with with the with the state of uh, affairs, they have to get used to their kitchens, right? Like, like you know <laughs> what I mean? They all have beautiful kitchens, but they sure eat out. And and I I mean that with with uh, uh, not in disgust. I mean it like, hey, look fortunate that they have nice kitchens they can stock up the fridge and and uh hunker down and, and use their kitchens and and it's it, it's sort of funny but uh it's true <laughs> no i know you're right because there's a lot of things like we do in in our industry like i'll build people like uh pizza ovens outside or that went for a real yeah. hit for a while right and everybody uses them once and they never use them again the rest yes. of their life right well right that's now that's an outdoor kitchen <laughs> right for, for all those fancy kitchens that you built that they met that they probably didn't use a whole lot it's shifted yep. dramatically and now all of a sudden they're like lol you're brilliant you guys you yeah. guys hunted this one over the uh goalposts so yeah yeah like i you know they never needed a 42 inch sub-zero until now now it's full (laughs) i know i know and it's well that's the same for us because like our boys rolled out last fall and guess what all of a sudden they rolled back in again and line had to like quickly shift and uh our all of a sudden our shopping and we didn't eat out a lot, but we ate out plenty. But now, man, I mean, we go through stuff. After like the, yep. the fourth week, I was like, Lonnie, why do we eat so much ketchup? I don't get it. We'll go, you know, usually we'll have ketchup for like a year. And now all of a sudden we've gone through three bottles. It's like, I don't, yeah. there's something weird about how um, really living at home has shifted and kind of enlightened some of us as to, as to like what. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so you do have clients who are shooting you texts going, thank you once again. Yeah. That's yep, yep, yep. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and the, the reach out could be for any number of reasons, but that, that undertone is present. You know, hey, Lowell, can you help me find a plumber? Uh, I, I, the bread and butter of this business is that, is that I, I, I hope to be trusted for my clients for a long time to come. And, and Garth, this is, this is part of the reason I had such an interest in Dunes. We're, we have 
keys to most of our clients' homes, and we help them with with managing things while they're gone. And sure. generally, that means checking out a key to the HVAC firm, or or letting the irrigation guy go over there and 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 winterize the sprinklers, or or turn on the water in the spring. Like all those things, like that's a great position to be in, and you only get in that position by keeping their their trust, right? But sure. it's also that sets the basis for r- repeat repeat clients through their family, through their friends, through their kids, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I like to refer to our homes as generational. You know, a lot of these folks build it hoping that it stays in their family for uh, future generations. And that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. And now that they're probably living in some of the spaces, they're breaking things that hadn't been yeah. before. Or, or, right. But it's, uh, well, that's, I, that is, I mean, we don't get a lot of, um, real feel good sometimes in projects. I mean, we, line yeah. up, I mean, you get feel goods when you build a beautiful place. Right. But right. the real feel good is when you have clients that are like, what, wow, this is changing my life. You know, we're not doctors. We're not saving people's lives. Yep. Right? Um, however, however, that is the satisfaction. You're right, Garth. And, and I sort of crave it. Right. Because, yeah. because you, it, it does provide you the satisfaction that, okay, this job was difficult, but now I know for everyone's sake, it was worth it. Right. Right. And you put, I mean, like like you said, you're putting pictures up and people are watching from afar, but you're out there every day putting blood, sweat, and tears and worried yep. about things and trying to get it in on yep. budget and, and trying to make it beautiful. And now all of a sudden, there's people that can actually live in that space and it's changing their lives in many right. ways, which which is cool, which is good to hear. Well, that's about how much time we have, Lowell. I, we, could probably, we could probably talk for like three hours. But- right, Garth, I know it. But, but so so tell me tell me more about your podcast where, where how what what is, what what is what are you doing what it's evolving it's evolving it's been something i've had in the hopper for like maybe a year or two right and, okay um and it's called place by design because uh i'm a my my academic research is usually around either sense of place or environmental design and i mean environmental design within the context of how people use a space um, uh-huh. and it's just one of those things that I get nerdy about and I share it in the classroom, but there's a lot of other places I feel like I can share it. And using our conversation today, it's an example, you know, like I think people right now are genuinely seeing their spaces through a different lens and, mm-hmm. um, how we live and where we live and how we feel about how we live. And I don't care if that's like a house or a property or a town or a city or a state kind of shapes who we are. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm just like talking to people that are in the industry that, that are doing cool stuff that are that relate to kind of like place. And you don't know, pop onto your website and you can see the houses that you're making would make a lot of people really happy, you know? So it's, yeah. it's, it's one of those, it's, you, you know, you contribute to, to a piece of that academic journey but in the practical real world that was lowell smith of dunes development in harvard michigan you can find out more about lowell and the homes that he builds at dunesdev.com that's d-u-n-e-s-d-e-v.com lowell thank you for joining me this week and thank you for listening to another episode I'd also like to thank our team at Rootbound, a landscape design studio serving Southwest Michigan for their continued support. Please share this if you enjoyed yourself and plan to come back for more. Don't go away mad, just go away.